the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, we had a great show last week where we had Dr. Brian Kress, a pediatrician, a local pediatrician from Stillwater Medical Group on, and we were talking about concussions and learning about what they are exactly and why they affect children's schoolwork, especially. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very interesting for him to describe what a concussion really is. Physiological uh, structures, absolutely. Yes, the, the changes that are happening in the brain that actually cause the problem to be with and maybe if we have time we'll even ask him to maybe describe that one more time again in studio today because we are very happy to have Dr. Kress in us or in studio with us again today. Thank you. So Dr. Kress like I said is a pediatrician with the Stillwater Medical Group and he's been practicing medicine for over 24 years and he has had extensive training and experience working with concussions including my own son as I brought up last week as well. And uh, very grateful for your treatment of him a number of years ago. So, but this week we're going to turn the tables, right, Mark? Why don't you share with us what we're going to be doing this week? week. Last week we talked about diagnosis and some of the symptoms, uh, not only physically, but also cognitively and emotionally. But we want to turn our attention to the process of recovery. This is really what parents want to hear once they get over that initial scare. Okay, this is what my child's dealing with. How do we nurse our own children back to, to healing and recovery? And so what should parents do if their child sustains a concussion? Yeah, so initially, uh, um, it's removing the child from competition or removing them from, from the risk of injury. Uh, and then, and then uh, uh, either immediately or, or, short, or in the short term uh, afterwards, restriction of physical activity and some, uh, and some cognitive rest. Uh, the, the whole post-concussion management, is, is there's a lot of style points that people have. And so there's... Uh, um, it, it varies from provider to provider, and, and honestly, based on how, how significant the injury was uh, and how many concussions a, a patient has had in the past. Uh, so initially, it's some physical rest, uh, uh, somewhere between 24, 24 to 48 hours, uh, with some gradual and, and progressive return uh, uh, to some physical activity design, designed to uh, avoid uh, um, exacerbation or worsening of the symptoms uh, that they may, have, may be having after the, after the concussion. Uh, from the cognitive standpoint, uh, um, it really complete avoidance is impossible of, of any of any stimulation uh, initially well a few years ago <clears throat> 
there was some thought of uh, essentially putting kids in a dark padded room mm-hmm. you know no screens about that. Yep. no screens no noises no lights no nothing well that's really never ever been practical and and uh, um, I think we're as we as we move forward we realize that that uh, uh, some uh, um, some screen time some pleasure reading some social visits uh, are okay but really trying to manage those and, and keeping them keeping them down uh, in a manageable way mm-hmm. um, kids can attend school after these first day or two Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on how they're feeling, sure. um, uh, one of the um, challenges is to is to help the, help them manage that, and, and uh, between the between the parents, the teachers, and the and the school nurses, and, and as well as us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually a, a letter from a physician, kind of outlining some of the concerns with respect to the concussion, is very helpful. I can say that from an administrative standpoint, that uh, because on the outside the child looks normal. So teachers and students might not realize that there really is something going on here. And that's where it is so important to get a letter from the provider kind of outlining what they can and cannot do and what to watch for um, and how to intervene in those cases where maybe the headaches come back again, what can be done there. So having that letter from the provider, I found to be very helpful. Well, I think you're you're room. exactly right. You know, because there's no marks on the outside necessarily. Right. Um, it, it, there's there's we're, we're fighting against a long history of of just buck up and get through it. Yes. And, right. and so yep. it uh, uh, there's still a lot of um, disbelief or difficulty believing mm-hmm. a patient's symptoms. Yes. And, and uh, um, it, it's it's an, we find that to be very important, though, in yeah. recovery. Do you think, is it is it ever uh, normal for a child to take months to recover from a concussion? Or would you begin to think it's not a concussion anymore, it's something else, or that it was worse and more severe than you thought? What are your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. Now, most concussions, somewhere in the 90 or so percent mm-hmm. of concussions resolve within two weeks or so okay. uh, with uh, with. Good early rest and and, mm-hmm. and return to play, return to return to learn, return to play, but uh, there's some that do linger mm-hmm. and do linger a long time, and that's uh, mm-hmm. uh, if they if they um, are lingering longer, that that does give us more concern to maybe look at look at um, some other uh, diagnostic things like MRIs or or, or um, uh, um, some neuro neuropsychological evaluations mm-hmm. um, in the in the in the future. If, mm-hmm. if, if people aren't responding like we would expect them to. Right, right. That's a good point. And then one other point before we move on to the next question, Mark, I wanted to point out that in some cases, I know with concussions, it's common for uh, physicians to request that a child or adult who, who suffered the concussion to be awakened every several hours throughout the night. Now, is this still in practice or is this an old practice? I know they were probably looking for bleeds, right? Right. Uh, Concussion actually being more severe than they initially thought. And so they're expecting potential worsening of symptoms. So they want them to be awakened to make sure that they're alert. Is that still something that's well, today? again, that's that's kind of a, an old habit okay. that's been been difficult mm-hmm. to, to get rid of. But it's um, it, you know once we we um, we do tend to want to evaluate somebody that, uh, based on their symptoms, and and uh, once we we clear them in the in the sidelines or the or the emergency room or clinic, then then I think they should be able to go to sleep okay. when they want to. But mm-hmm. that's that's. Uh, um, a very that's a difficult thing to to get people to to believe to stop doing yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. okay 
You know, last week we talked about some of the physical symptoms that start to appear when a concussion has been suffered. But just as a refresher, uh, Dr. Kress, if you could just share again some of those specific symptoms that should tip parents to make it a top priority to get their child in to see a doctor right away. Sure. Yeah, so things like um, um, uh, prolonged loss of consciousness, um, uh, altered mental altered mental status uh, after the injury. Uh, if, if somebody's having seizures, uh, those are reasons to, to bring them in right away. Uh, um, if somebody really has a difficulty with their balance, they can't stay upright, uh, uh, would be a good idea. Um, uh, a, a, a rule of thumb uh, in most ERs around here is if once somebody throws up three times, yes. And then, uh, um, then they buy a, a CT scan or an MRI. They they get a more formal evaluation. And certainly, if there's if there's other injuries, uh, um, visible injuries, then then you have to be you have to raise your your bar of suspicion uh, mm-hmm. to get, to have somebody have your child uh, evaluated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. Again, I keep going back to my own personal experience. Um, I know we've had other concussions, but the one that was most severe was with the one that had it two days in a row, mm-hmm. two different concussions in a row. And I know on the second day, um, I wasn't actually home when it happened. And he just laid on the couch all day and just became increasingly tired and more tired and more tired and more tired. And then when I called to check in and my oldest son, who was a college-age student, said, well, he's just been laying around sleeping all day. I And, and he said, and oh, by the way, he... he fell in the kitchen and hit his head on the counter again. I went, what? And and that was a scary thing to hear. And by the time then I found out that he had been tired and we needed to get him into the emergency room, then he threw up mm-hmm. when they got right. him up to go to the emergency room. So, you know, by your standards today, where it has to be three times, would they not have done an MRI on him? Well, I think that, again, the vice is the vomiting by itself. Once once you get to three three right. episodes of vomiting, then that kind of buys you a CT scan or an evaluation. Yeah. But I, always, I tell people whether it's about a concussion or a breathing issue or or whatever. I mean, it's it's a um, if you have a gut feeling that something yes. isn't right, yeah. then, then you need to it. get a hold yeah. of us or yeah. bring bring him in. And and it's uh, I mean, I've, I've been amazed at at the uh, the not just maternal instincts but but mm-hmm. put, uh, uh, parental instincts mm-hmm. i call yes. it and, you know you just have to respect those things yes. and, and it's uh, um you can't you, you can't put a label on it it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, pretty amazing yeah that is interesting the power of love mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so how important is mental rest to the child's recovery and how can parents help their concussed child achieve mental rest well yeah certainly this is a situation where kind of an ounce of prevention is probably worth a pound of cure mm-hmm. uh, um, you do want to uh, be somewhat proactive at, at, at getting your child uh, um, some amount or, or significant cognitive rest mm-hmm. uh, the more you you stress the brain right off the bat then it probably uh, Causes a prolongation of, of um, recovery. Mm-hmm. There's uh, this is a, certainly a, a controversial thing. You really can't control for it from injury to injury and study to study. But it certainly looks like uh, the the um, longer recovery times are probably due to, or can be at least partially attributed to decreased. Um, uh, a shortened cor- a course of cognitive rest. Okay, um, so it, lack of compliance with the recommendations. Yeah, wow, <laughs> yeah. So you know, that's a problem. Right. But uh, you do have to be careful not to not to decompensate. Again, putting putting your child in a in a soundproof booth for 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 a week, you know, mm-hmm. that, that kind of decompensates them as well. And so you can't really. It, you have to, it's it's really um, it's a it's a 
a work in progress yeah. every, every time. In other words, that's over going overboard. It may be, yeah, right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, maybe maybe going overboard. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I was at a meeting. Uh, well, it was a year ago. Uh, the the speaker had just gotten back from uh, the international. Um, meetings mm-hmm. in Berlin or something they were, and uh, um, they're talking about more. Uh, the, the, the latest movement is to actually work your brain a little bit, not again really? within within reason, yeah. but you get you give a little rest to begin with, and and then then you start start the process. He, huh. he made the analogy that you know we after after people get uh, a new heart or a new hip or whatever, we right. get them out of bed and we work it. And That's we, true. And working, but uh, the brain we we make we make the most active, healthy people on the planet do nothing. That's true. And uh, huh. now your brain can be different than your hip. Sure. I, I, I can admit that, but, but sure. um, he had a really good point. Huh. So It'll be interesting to watch that research be. and see yeah. what does really prove to be the most beneficial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. What, what does mental rest look like? I mean, just for yeah. the fact that we're such a busy and we've got a lot of noise in our society, what does that look like? So anything that kind of stimulates your brain, whether it's the, the lights in the room, and it can be the fluorescent lights that... that just kind of cause headaches, but the maybe incandescent lights don't. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's texting, it's computer computer reading, it's watching TV, it's video games, it's yeah. it's uh, reading, pleasure reading, it's uh, uh, just letting your brain kind of relax, mm-hmm. shut all of that off for a little bit, as much as mm-hmm. yeah, within reason. Yeah, right. I, I think nobody can flip the switch. Right. Maybe I mean personally, when I try to flip that switch off, totally, I crazy and it my brain works even harder so would you argue that screen screen reading would be more or i should say less restful on a on a brain than reading from a book because of the screen element and the light my my inclination is to to say yes but i i I don't know if that's really true or not Mm -hmm. but it's uh um it certainly seems Plausible. Plausible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, academic responsibilities, we know that they involve hard work and it's vigorous use of the brain. How is school affected by concussion? I know last week you mentioned about having to wear sunglasses in the classroom because of a lot of the bright lights. But what might be some other uh, things that could be affected uh, by a concussion in the school environment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody, I think, is generally uh, accustomed to to hearing the return to play protocol, but they've, they've kind of coined another term as well, a return to learn. Mm-hmm. Which uh, um, can can be can include accommodations in the classroom to uh, uh, shorten a class a class time or, or shorten a class day, uh, allowing a, a student to uh, uh, take several breaks throughout the day to go into to go lay down in the nurse's office or or a quiet room, uh, decreasing their workload uh, throughout mm-hmm. the day, uh, um, div- giving them learning aids, meaning whether that's a tutor or or supplying them with class notes, um, and then. Uh, um, allowing kids to postpone some testing, maybe the more high stakes testing, maybe mm-hmm. like an ACT score or a final or something like mm-hmm. that, uh, is very reasonable. Uh, so these these go from you know, from academic adjustments like these to accommodations for for prolonged symptoms. So that, sure. that would be like an IEP or or uh, getting some neuro, neuropsychological testing to really see where where a patient's um, or a student's abilities are. And, and how they're changing, uh, and even can end up with. Uh, I've had some kids with home-based schooling. They've been wow. so, they've been so, so uh, dramatically affected by the by, wow. the, concussion. by the concussion, and yeah. yet it's still a concussion and not labeled brain damage. Um, at least initially, right? Yep. Yes. Yeah. That is so interesting to me that you would end up with that lengthy of 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 trouble. 
Um, yeah, probably by the time you get to the maybe that's a neuropsych, neuropsychological testing and even the home based schooling, but but there's probably a point where again, as we mentioned earlier, the you know if you get to we're talking weeks and months of mm-hmm. symptoms by the time you're getting to these kind of decisions, that it's probably time to see. See what's going on on with an MRI or something. And maybe you actually find some damage that is there Mm -hmm. as a result. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's very interesting. So it might have been more severe than they initially thought. Right. I suppose. Absolutely. Okay. You know, how can parents really know um, whether their child is using his or her brain too much? Are there any symptoms off of that that might start to begin to show up or yeah. is it just a prolong of what they already have yeah it's probably persistence persistence of the symptoms or or when they when they do um go to school or or when they're when they're doing their homework their headaches come back or or uh, they they um uh have more dif- more, more difficulty sleeping mm-hmm. uh, certainly if the, if the symptoms are are worsening uh, that's that's a sign that they're using their brain too much. Okay. Uh, we talked about earlier the the um, uh, the reporting bias, I guess that, that that some some kids will have. They they won't necessarily tell the parents what's going on fully, and so it's uh, it can be it can be difficult. <laughs> it's tough to be yeah. difficult to parent and to really help them come back. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So we've talked a little bit more about kind of getting back into the classroom. What about things like gym class and sports? Um, you mentioned that there is kind of a back-to-play protocol. Um, what is some of that protocol, and, and how, what's the safest way to go about doing that? Sure. So, so the uh, um, the general guidelines, and, the, and this, there's a lot of personal opinion, a lot of personal uh, style when it comes sure. to return to play. Uh, um, so it starts. So the, the return to play protocol really starts with rest. It's mm-hmm. kind of a six six step uh, hmm. um, approach towards uh, return to play, and the number okay. one step is rest. Okay. Uh, um, so, so when when the symptoms have have um, largely or fully resolved, generally. Uh, we start some some activity, and that and that um, uh, that starts off with light aerobic activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are these are very vague kind of broad terms, sure. which um, uh, um, I find um, I, 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 we're developing some return to play protocols with specific sports specific exercises oh. um, and and other ways to kind of monitor sure. how light or hard the exercise is for the kids mm-hmm. um, which uh, I think are going to be really really helpful yes um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the so moves from from rest to light aerobic to more sports specific injury or, or exercises mm-hmm. um, to n- uh, non-contact training mm-hmm. uh, so you can be you can be out of the ice and skating around but but no no contact mm-hmm. uh, the fifth step um, is full contact practice okay um, and then uh, then once you pass that then you you move on to uh, return right. to play, full play. And how much time would you say generally is within each of these steps? Are we talking like a week or a few days? Or yeah. is that Super variable? variable. It is. Very okay. variable. And depending on, on uh, again, somebody's personal opinion uh, or their or their experience, uh, um, it can be a day. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they can be, these, these can be uh, taken, they can move up every day, depending if you if you pass, if you do your light aerobic activity, okay. and you don't have headaches, you don't have dizziness, and you can move on to sports specific. Sure. Uh, depending on the coach or the trainer, whoever's running these these exercises, sometimes they'll say, "I want to see you two days at this. Mm-hmm. I want to see you three days at this." Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get to non contact training, you know the fourth step, and then you have symptoms, and you back off to to the sports mm-hmm. specific, uh, and then you do that for another 
day or two or three or something right. and then and then get back and then try to make that step again sure but it's it's uh um there's no rule set rule yeah so i'm sure a lot of professional judgment come enters into that too then on the basis of not only the physician that's treating the the patient but mm-hmm. also the coach that's then working with them or the teacher um or the parent i suppose it's kind of a group a group effort to decide what how much time needs to happen in between each of these steps? It very much is, and it's um, I, 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 that's why I really employ the the, um, the coaches, again, mm-hmm. coaches for sure, but the school trainers or or uh, physical therapy uh, clinics uh, um, in the, in their community to because mm-hmm. they know the kids and they can sure. they can be there with boots on the ground, so to speak. And yeah. I, I I can't be right. there and do that. Yeah, you can't can't go to all of your kids or all of your concussion patients games and <laughs> sports right. and. Every, every I just find it interesting that, you know, because of all the variables that are in place and how each case is so different, the fact that everything is really open to debate or interpretation and there isn't as much concrete um, fact or evidence in terms to say this is the protocol. It needs to be followed this way in every specific case because every case is so different. It It really is. Mm -hmm. It really is. Yeah. So, you know, we've been talking about all these different steps and what have you, and we've talked about repeat concussions and just some of the the concerns about that and how long it might take for them to recover. Is there ever a time when you would decide to recommend that an athlete permanently step away from a sport? Due to concussions, there is. There uh, um, again. This is this is. Um, I mean, there's all kinds of hot button topics and concussion, and sure. and and this is certainly one of them. This you know, the sports really defines a lot of a lot of uh, young people's yeah. lives and who yes. they are. And so to make that decision to say you are done with sports is really emotion charged yeah. and, and laden. So it, uh, there, but there isn't in in my my uh, readings and and all the people I talk. There is not. An absolute number of concussions that that disqualifies somebody from wow. injury. Wow. So that makes it really difficult to know. So it's a matter of maybe maybe the, the family's tolerance of risk and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, how bad the concussions were, how long it took them to recover. Um, the uh, um, if, if the concussions are, are happening with progressively less force, mm-hmm. less and less of a hit to the head that that's giving concussion. That's, that's the time to think about that. Uh, if you're having kind of more uh, post-injury symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, with with after, after the after the concussion, uh, the cog- cognitive dysfunction. Kids are just really not recovering uh, mm-hmm. at all or or fully from the concussions. Um, uh, depending on the sport they're in, if they're in a high risk sport, sure. uh, you want to uh, take that into consideration. Uh, but again, the uh, it's it's a multi layer. It's this is a a huge decision. Yes. How many times? Okay, in your twenty four years, how many mm-hmm. times have you recommended that a Student athlete permanently step away from athletics. It's been a it's been a small handful. I would you know, probably, imagine, yeah, probably not small. more than ten or fifteen. Wow. Uh, some kids, wow. Some people, but even that many though. Yeah, but people have made their made their decision on their own. Sure. At times, we've, before you know, within discussion with with their coaches or the, or the family family just says you're done. Mm-hmm. You're you're taking up basket weaving or something else. <laughs> but it's uh, but I've had also kids who who were again were defined by their activities and they had a um, I mean there was a head injury and they so they got a scan and they found something abnormal in their brain that, mm. that disqualified them from, from oh, okay. and I've seen those kids kind of spiral 
I mean, their their psyches, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they get depressed. They, it really, it, it, it's, you have to be very, very careful how you, how you do that. Right. Mm-hmm. I can imagine. It is. It's a big part of a child's social life mm-hmm. growing up and their, their sense of identity. And learning, you know, mm-hmm. team building skills. And there's right. just so many things that you learn in the context of sports that goes beyond the playing yeah. field. But I want to ask you this question. You know, again, much has been made of CTE. It almost seems like everyone's pointing the finger at the NFL and saying, see, they've got to shut this sport down in the next 10 mm-hmm. to 15 years mm-hmm. because it's just way too dangerous where people's brains are completely destroyed because of all the hits. But based on what you're saying, again, it's really a case-by-case basis, and there really is no number or set number of brain concussions to say, yeah, once you reach this number of concussions, that person does need to walk away. So do you think maybe too much is being made given how this still is all in the introductory stages of research to really point to a concussion here, a concussion there to say that really football's in danger in the next 10 years? Well, whatever it is, again, this is a, a, a daily changing thing for sure. So what, what I've read is that, that maybe some of the it's not the uh, the big impacts that you see with the running back slamming into the into the into the linebacker or the wide receiver. It, it may be these uh, uh, multiple uh, um, significant, but not not game changing blows like the linemen bashing head, heads each other every against every, against each other every single you know seventy eighty times a, a game or something. So that seems to be leading to more the, the to the CT as opposed to the running backs or the quarterbacks. Oh. But it's uh, um, it's uh, it's a ch- it's a, di- a changing uh, process. I've also heard that there's you know there's certainly ways to to tackle that are, that are not as damaging to the brain. You know, right. but um, uh, um, it's, it's certainly they're going to um, they're already making some modifications to the to the game to, to, to the hopefully rules. right exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is football by far the most dangerous <clears throat> of? the impact sports when it comes to risk of concussion or would you say that soccer is equally or risky or hockey mm-hmm. or yeah probably the most the, the biggest impact ones are, are probably around here hockey and and football okay um so you don't see as much of it with soccer i don't no okay. no and, and like i said maybe it's just the the antennas are up around the football field and not necessarily around the soccer field. Right. Well, I I had heard once that uh, people think of soccer as not being very dangerous and that it is one of the more dangerous sports because there's not as much equipment protection. And so that there's actually quite a few more injuries to, with soccer than you would ever imagine. Well, I think that's true, yeah. Whether it's ankles or knees or, yeah. or cuts or, or mm-hmm. head injuries or, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Pretty interesting. How about lacrosse? That's one sport we haven't touched on today. I know they wear the helmets in lacrosse, but have you ever seen concussion-based injuries through that well, sport? Well, that ball's pretty hard. Yeah. And those kids can is really it? whip that. I didn't know that. It's that a hard ball. ball, huh? Well, it's a it's a bouncy ball, but it's firm. It's okay. it's heavy, and it's okay. it's not a wiffle ball for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, yeah, I've seen a lot of kids... Um, <laughs> And, you know, and girls, I think now in Minnesota, I think, are just now starting to wear helmets. They, they mm. just wore mouth guards. That's it. You know, wow. Up until, wow. I think, and just up in, I think that's true, um, the, maybe this next year. So, right, I mean, they were, uh, and um, they were just sitting ducks waiting to get hit by the ball. And, again, maybe they're not, they're not generally as strong as the boys or hitting, throwing the mm-hmm. ball, but it's still, that, that can really pack a wall up when, when, it, uh, when it hits them in the head. Concussions are dangerous, but at the same time, not over-protecting 
You know, do you have advice for our parents on that? Well, I think it, it comes down to awareness of the coaches uh, of how to teach the kids how to how to play safe, how to how to uh, how to check somebody, how to tackle somebody. Um, you can certainly, um, like you said, you know, if you if you become so risk averse, um, there's it, it's uh, well, life isn't risk averse. Right. You can't, right. and, but you can you it's can manage realistic. it. You can manage mm-hmm. it with uh, with better training and and education, and and then and then getting kids out of out of danger when they've when they have had a mm-hmm. an injury and and hopefully getting them the the appropriate care that to get right. them back to to health um, more quickly right so really encouraging them to be honest about how they're feeling and the the symptoms that they might be experiencing and and then getting the help they need before they jump back in absolutely so good well this has been an interesting couple of weeks having Dr Brian Cress on our show with us uh, and hearing about how to treat concussions and what concussion symptoms are and how to get them, how to get kids back into the realm of learning and sports again. So I just want to say thank you for coming on both last week and this week. Education Nation, Dr. Cross, we're so happy to have you with us. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Very good. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.